Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for today is taken from Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Romans 8 verses 15 through 17. The key word this morning is adoption. And many of you know that my father was killed in an airline crash when I was five. My brother was 11. My mom was 33. My dad was also 33. And thankfully, our story didn't end right there in a pile of grief. My mom remarried a wonderful man who had two sons. They were 14 and 18 at the time. They had lost their wife and mom to lung cancer uh, previously. So my mom and my new dad decided that to help make our two separate cracked families, one family unit, that they would legally adopt each other's children. And I remember that day. We piled, all six of us piled into the station wagon. We drove to the courthouse and we entered the courtroom and we were asked to just stand in front of the judge. And we formed a semicircle in front of the judge, all six of us. And I was seven, I was in first grade, still painfully shy. I please don't look at me, don't talk to me because I don't want to have to interact with you. So it was a new situation we were in. Uh, it was a kind of a, a big room and a judge with a robe on. It was scary, it was solemn, it was intimidating. And so I just kind of slipped back out of that little semicircle. I had a wall of people standing in front of me to protect me and the judge continued to talk. But then he said, the judge said, raise your right hand and repeat after me. And I instantly panicked. I knew I needed to get back into that circle. And what seemed like hours of me walking behind as I was pacing back and forth with my little right hand raised, I, I know it was seconds, but I knew that if I didn't get to be a part of that circle that I could not be uh, adopted. So as I traveled up and down that line, someone stepped aside. I don't even know who it was. They stepped aside, they made room for me, they put their hand on my shoulder and I felt instant relief. So with our right hands raised and repeating the words up to the judge, we were adopted. Our two families with cracks became one family unit. Years after, I uh, would just periodically, people <clears throat> would ask me, how's your stepdad? How are your stepbrothers? And I equated that term with Cinderella. I hated that term. And so I would just push my shoulders back and look them in the eye and say, oh, they're not my stepbrothers and stepdad. They're my real dad and my real brothers. You see, we were adopted. I was chosen. Now my family unit still had cracks and my wonderful adoption didn't make life always simple and easy. But our spiritual adoption, our adoption as sons and daughters, as heirs of God's, as co-heirs with Christ, that is perfect. Praise be to God for the plan he has for our lives 
the love and the grace he extends us. Well, I appreciate uh, Becky sharing her story, and uh, I believe it is so moving because we all know the feeling. It's a horrible feeling to be left out, to be overlooked, to be forgotten, to be abandoned. And in our text today in Romans chapter 8, Paul moves to the language of family and highlights the power of adoption. Now to recap just the last couple of weeks, in week one we uh, focused on Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel describing our new status, that we are right with God, not because of the I but, or our works, but because of Christ. He is our righteousness, our sin offering, our stand-in, our substitution. We are his because we are in Christ. And then week two, with our new status, comes a new way of thinking, a new mind that is a life that is focused on the Spirit, not the flesh. Life without God, that is the flesh, but rather uh, life in the Spirit is a mindset where we make choices to participate in the life of God moment by moment. We live according to a new life that we have received, leading to, remember, life and peace. How amazing is this new mind that God has given us. So our passage today, let's read it again, verse, beginning of verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, of all the ways that uh, Paul could convey our salvation, and he uses a lot of different ways of describing it uh, throughout his letters, justification, ransom, sacrifice, redemption, reconciliation. This one, adoption, is my favorite. It is personal. It is full of emotion. It captures the warm and uh, caring relationship between human beings, or in this case, between us and God and us and God's family. See, it's not limited to just individual salvation, but includes the whole, all of the family of God. Did you know that uh, there was no such thing as adoption for the Jewish people or this idea in the Old Testament? Why? Because when a man died in the Old Testament without someone to continue his line, his closest male relative was commanded to sleep with his widow and produce an heir. So 
what we have here in Paul's use of this word adoption is the Roman adoption system. And there are several important things that I want us to see that happened at the moment of this adoption. They're outlined in this text. Let me put it first this way. Your adoption into God's family has full privileges and important responsibilities. Now, verse 15 in our text says this, the Spirit brought about your adoption. In other words, to be a son or daughter is a received status, not a natural one. We are not born as God's children. We are adopted into his family when we receive his spirit. When we receive Christ in faith and baptism, we are adopted as sons and daughters into God's family. So the Spirit makes you a son, a child of God, and uh, you don't make yourself one. And the Spirit is not contingent upon your background, your education, your ancestry, your status, your race, your color, your culture, your religious history, your intelligence, your power, or your wealth. Let's read verse 15 again. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, if you are a slave, you will always live with a sense of a fear of punishment. And there is this constant insecurity about your place, your relationship with your master. A slave, in one sense, is always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And Paul says... You have received the spirit of sonship. So there is a deep sense of security in our relationship with the master, the father. And a child can then approach their father at any time and cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. You see, the privilege of adoption gives confident access to God. Abba, prayer. No one can rob you of your personal relationship with God. But not only do you have a relationship with God, but adoption then also brings you into a relationship with all of God's children, doesn't it? You see, when the gospel first came to Rome, it most likely came to Jews who accepted Christ. And for over a decade, these believers grew together in their newfound faith, maintaining a uh, strong Jewish flavor to their faith. 
as Christians, as believers. And then the emperor expelled all the Jews from Rome. And all the leaders left. And so the new Gentile Christians are looking around and they say, well, what do we do now? We've, it's, ta- it's our time. We've got to lead. And they have a different background and they have a different culture and they have different practices. And so they begin to lead the church in their way as Gentile believers. The Gentile practices then begin to shape the church. Well, about five years later, there is another, a new emperor again. And uh, he invites all the Jews to come back. But by now, the church is very different. So one of Paul's purposes in writing this letter, the book of Romans, is to unify, bring together two very different groups, Jews and Greeks. And that's one of the reasons he says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, accept one another just as God in Christ has accepted you. You see, what language helps us better understand God's family, the church, than this language then of adoption. When we're adopted into God's family, we are given a completely new life. The old life is gone. You are given a new name, according to the Roman practice. If you had any debts, all of your debts are wiped out. They are completely gone. And so in verse 17 of our text, it says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Think about this for just a moment. You are an heir and a co-heir with Christ. We are guaranteed legal rights to our Father's property. Roman law made it clear that an adopted child had exactly the same rights as all the other children. No one could come before the adopted child. Not the biological children and no other adopted children. In other words, to be adopted means you gained a full inheritance with all the other children. What an amazing privilege. Let me say it this way. Every person adopted into God's family has a full and fair status. No child, new or old, large or small, messed up or dressed up, of any color or shape or size, can claim superiority over another. This is our gospel. There are no stepchildren. No one sits at the back of the bus because they have to. 
God has one level of membership. And you have a gold status membership. Everyone who receives the Spirit has full privileges. Think about this. To be a co-heir with Christ means we receive what Christ receives. What he earned, we get. Such amazing grace. I want to say to you this morning, as God's child, claim what is yours. We're going to take just a moment here and listen to Dara Kosicki talk about her adoption. And then I'll come back for just a moment to uh, bring this all together. Hi, I'm Dara Kosicki, and Jeff asked me to talk a little bit about my adoption story and what adoption meant to me. Um, I was one month old when I was adopted. Um, I had lived in a, um, a foster home, I believe, for the first month. Um, and my parents, meaning my adopted parents, um, had been on an adoption list for, for quite a while. They had done some fostering. And just a quick little fun little story. Um, they always had to let um, the state know where they were when they were like out of town or out of, you know, the state or whatever. And so they were, I believe, off of Can Canada, off somewhere on my great uncle's houseboat. And um, the radio system didn't work. I'm not quite for sure exactly the story. I had it written down, so I should have read that. But um, they left the phone number and I came available. So um, they were trying to get a hold of my mom and dad and weren't able to make contact to the houseboat. So actually another boat came through with a um, message and put it in a bottle and, and got their attention and threw it in the bottle and kind of ushered it over my mom and dad opened it and it said, you need to come home, you have a little girl. So um, that is kind of the beginning of my adoption story. So um, I, um, wonderful, wonderful parents, um, always knew I was adopted. Um, I have uh, on my dad's side, um, one cousin and she is also adopted. And I remember um, when she was, was young, um, a couple years older than her, her, her going around saying, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, because we always talked about in our family how both of us were adopted, and she just heard that as she was a doctor, so it was just a, just a funny thing that I remember. Um, it wasn't ever anything, my adoption or her adoption, you know, wasn't anything that our family shied against talking about. Um, I did not necessarily talk to my parents about kind of what they knew about my um, biological parents growing up. Um, I guess I feared I didn't want to hurt their their feelings. Um, not that they ever gave me any reason to think that. But um, when I was 20, I decided that I wanted to try to find my biological parents. Um, I'd always wondered, you know, why did they give me up? Where did they live? Were they alive? Those types of things. And so um, I tried to petition the courts to open my files. And um, because I was 20, they wouldn't. Um, but they said that if my parents would write a letter, um, that they would open it up for medical reasons is what they would call it. Um, 
to see if my file was even where my adoptive parents would be willing to um, meet me to see how it was left. So of course I, I was in college, I went home um, on a, I think it was a weekend, talked to my mom and dad and they immediately, my mom like the next Monday, wrote the letter to the court and um, I'll never forget, I was just home from college in May and um, the phone rang and I answered it and it was a social worker calling me and to tell me that um, the courts had went through and that they could open my file and it, she was actually the social worker that had done my adoption back when I was adopted at a month old. She was retiring in a month and she said that she was one of the easiest um, things that she had done because she literally went to my file, which was still there, still paperwork, and um, my biological grandmother and grandfather on both sides still lived in the same homes, still had the same phone numbers. So she was easily able to make contact um, to find my biological parents. And um, both of them wanted to meet me. Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of a new whole relationship for my family. So I do know my biological um, uh, mom and dad. Um, my mom and dad were always so welcoming to them um, because they just felt that they were part of my life and wanted to make sure that I felt that I could have a relationship with them. So, you know, growing up, I did have moments of feeling like maybe I wasn't wanted. That's why I was given up for adoption. And I think, you know, being young and, and not knowing much, I think that's probably pretty common. Um, but after I got to meet my biological parents and found out the reasons why they chose to give me up for adoption, it, it was meant to be. Um, and I truly think that I knew that growing up, but um, now I have no doubt um, that it was meant to be that, that my mom and dad, um, God had a plan for them for them to have me in their lives. And um, I believe that God had a plan for me to meet my biological parents when I did. Um, I've been so lucky to have them. Um, my parents have both passed away. And so having my biological parents, not that they will ever replace my adopted parents, but um, they have been helpful in um, just helping me make it through those hard circumstances and just having those relationships are just such wonderful things. So. I have a very positive adoption story, um, and I'm very, very lucky, and um, that's kind of my story. I want to thank uh, Dara for her touching and uh, personal story, and as I uh, conclude this morning, I want to remind each one of you that the beauty of your adoption also brings important responsibilities. Becky and Dara had the, all the privileges of adoption. And they also had the responsibilities that came with their new family. So as an adopted child and as a full heir, which you are, you are to honor your one father just like Jesus did. You are to reflect the family values. You are to carry on the family name. You are to get along, but more than that, deeply love and show respect and give sacrificially just like Jesus, 
to your brothers and sisters, the family of faith. Praise God for his beautiful plan.